Well, good morning. Morning. Glad y'all are here. Hey, uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. We're, uh, we're really glad you're here, especially if this is your first time with us. Welcome to Providence Road. Um, happy uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, that's a thing. Holy Week is upon us. Awesome. All right. Um, this morning, we're in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we'll begin in verse 5. All right? Uh, so you can go ahead and turn there if you want. <clears throat> uh, last week, we, we looked primarily at Romans 8.1. Right? Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Probably the most important verse in all of Scripture uh, in my opinion, I, I think it's the most succinct description of the gospel in the Bible. Um, I think you can argue that everything else in the Bible at some level either builds toward that verse or flows out of that verse. So in that sense, it's really the, the apex of Scripture. Um, so Romans 8.1 was, was last week. Uh, this week is now what? Um, if, if Romans 8.1 is supposed to be good news, then, then now what? What do we, what do, we do with that? Okay? Because, because if it's true that there is no condemnation for those in Christ, then how do we not just simply recognize that that's an important verse, but how do we somehow digest that concept deep into our souls so that we can functionally, practically enjoy it? Right? So if we put it another way, how does that theological fact affect our mindset? Right? That's, that's what our passage is about today. It's about mindset. Okay? Because uh, the mindset in many ways is, is kind of the driver's seat. Right? The, the mindset affects the desires and the desires affect actions. And those actions kind of reveal what you really believe. Okay? Not, not what you claim to believe, not what you publicly confess that you believe, but your actions reveal what you genuinely believe. Okay? And all of that begins with a mindset. All right? So this is, this is crucial, but, it, but it's also not the end goal. All right? um, I think we can all agree that reading a blog about fitness is not the same thing as exercising. Amen? All right, you, you can have a PhD in nutrition and still be overweight, Right? Um, we, we know that information isn't enough. Right? Cognitive understanding isn't enough. It has to lead to a new mindset in order for there, in order for there to be any, any real substantive change. All right? So that's, that's the direction we're heading this morning. Uh, we want to move beyond a passive understanding into an active application. All right? that's, that's the goal for, for this morning. So uh, let me pray, and then we will, uh, we'll jump into the text. All right? Father, thank you for um, thank you for this church and thank you for this opportunity to uh, uh, to jump into Romans. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, exactly what the Spirit wants to do this morning. God, we love you. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Okay, Romans eight, beginning in verse five. It says this: For those who live according to the flesh set their minds 
on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans, what he is saying here is that there are two overarching categories of life. Right? There, are, there are essentially two aspects to reality. Right? You, have, you have flesh and you have spirit. Right? And you can go all the way back to the beginning uh, of time uh, to see this dichotomy. Right? So Genesis 1, we see the invisible spirit and the visible creation. Right? We see the immaterial creator and the material creation. Right? Essentially, we, we see heaven and earth. Okay? And, the, and the crowning achievement of creation, right? the, 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 in many ways, the, the masterpiece of God's creation are people. Right? People. Because people are, are unique, right? Unlike the rest of creation, which are brilliant ideas from God, right? Uh, mountains and oceans and dolphins and grizzly bears and sunsets. Like, all of those are genius ideas from God. Um, they, they, they are just expressions of His creative genius. But people, people are different. People are made in the image of God Himself, So people are flesh, they're material, but they're also spirit, okay? So at some level, people are a merger of heaven and earth, okay? They're flesh and spirit. Um, Ezekiel 36, God says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, Right? And so when he says flesh in this context, what he's referring to is this original flesh, this original flesh that was merged with spirit, one that understands joy and sympathy and justice and righteousness, right? Flesh as it was intended to be. And so it was out of this perfect context uh, where we see, received our job description, Right? It was is to reproduce this harmony of flesh and blood, all or flesh and spirit rather, all over uh, the globe. Okay, now 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 think about that for just a minute because I need you to appreciate how amazing uh, that job description is. All right, God says I want you to take the raw materials of a perfect world, and then go make cool stuff with it. Okay, so our the original mandate was. Uh, was to go and create art and culture and technology and sports and literature, architecture. Just go, 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 run, play, right? It was to reproduce this harmony of flesh and spirit that was found in the garden, but multiplied over the whole earth. Um, just think about that. Like We were supposed to be naked and unashamed. That'll work. Uh, we're supposed to have a lot of sex because we need a lot of people to take this thing global, right? Also... That's good. Um, and we were given unlimited resources to make the perfect world more perfect. Right? I don't know what your current job status is, but that's not a bad gig. That'll work. That sounds good. 
And it took us three chapters to ruin it. And instead of obeying God and his original mandate, we wanted to be God. And that rebellion corrupted the world. So now flesh has rebelled against the spirit. And as a result, we are forced to live in a distorted, perverted shell of what used to be. Now, usually, uh, when we refer to flesh, it's in a, a sexual context. Um, and that's probably because anytime you talk about perversion, sex is a very obvious and easy example. Um, but when you think about uh, flesh that, that Paul is referring to in this chapter, um, it's not less than sexual perversion, but it is certainly more than that. All right? It is a perversion that has invaded every area of life. Okay? It's life according to the flesh. All right, so flesh encompasses anything in creation that has no spiritual or eternal perspective. All right, so flesh is anything that has no eternal or spiritual perspective to it. Okay, um, here's, here's what I mean. Um, because flesh rebelled against the spirit or, or ignores the spirit, right, the flesh is completely captive to the natural world. Okay? Uh, it can't understand anything outside of itself. Right? So therefore, it can't understand anything supernatural. Right? It's limited. And so its scope is only what it can see here and now. Right? That's, how, that's what the flesh operates out of. It's, it's here and now. Right? So by definition, that means all of the tools that flesh has to work with are mortal, uh, temporary. Right? They're, they're de decaying. Right? The flesh is weak. And what happens when you build your life on weak things? It collapses. Okay? When you put eternal spiritual weight on fleshly, finite things, it goes very bad very quick. Okay? Here's, here's an example. Um, you ever seen this guy? Um, you, you, you see the dad who is completely insane yelling at the umpire at the eight-year-old Little League game? Seen this guy? Ah, goodness. Um, what that is is an adult ego searching for spiritual validation through something that was never intended to serve that purpose. Right? As a result... Dude looks like an idiot, and he's ruining his kid's life, <laughs> okay? That's the flesh, right? And the principle there is because baseball, whether it's the Norman Little Sluggers or, or the Houston Astros, baseball was not designed to be able to carry the weight of salvation, okay? Um, you just simply can't use the resources from the flesh category and create anything in the spiritual category, it just won't work. It's never worked. Right? Um, what, uh, what really bummed me out about this past presidential election, and there was a, a number of things, um, um, but it wasn't really politics. Right? I kind of like politics. I, I studied political science in college. Like I kind of nerd out on some of that stuff. 
Because um, at the end of the day, um, politics isn't better or worse than baseball. It's just a thing. But, but, but what bummed me out was these so-called evangelicals who were putting eternal weight on partisan politics. Okay? Uh, there was, in some evangelical circles, uh, there was such an intense panic around politics, around the White House, around the Supreme Court, that, that that just screams into an unbelieving world, hey, we don't actually have any more resources to deal with this mess than y'all do. We're kind of in the same boat, right? Evangelicals have this reputation of we don't really believe that there's anything beyond here and now either. Right? So we better fight tooth and nail to organize this thing our way uh, because this is all there is. That, that's, that's what we're preaching uh, when, we, uh, when we put infinite weight on a finite thing, even important things. Okay? Um, so listen, that, that, is, that is textbook flesh mindset. This, this, this idea that we better put all of our eggs in this basket because they're, uh, to consider a spiritual or eternal perspective is essentially a waste of time. Right? Um, now, listen, I'm not suggesting that we have no political engagement. In, in fact, f- quite the opposite. I think a, a, a mind that is set on the spirit will lead you to have very strong opinions on uh, abortion and, and definition of marriage and religious freedom and any number of, of, of issues. Um, and I want to see the court uh, structured in a certain way. But what I'm saying is that when finite things get treated like they're infinitely important, that is a sign that you are living out of the flesh and not the spirit. And if I understand verse 8 correctly, it's impossible to please God, please God that way. It's impossible. Um, as, a, as a side note, if you would like to send me your political views... Um, Feel free to email me. I would love to talk to you about them. My email is jeremyhager at gmail.com. So look forward to that. Um, so, here, so here's the principle of this text. Okay? Here's the principle of this text. Um, what you believe about reality will determine how you act. What you believe about ultimate reality will determine how you live and work and act. If your mind is set on the flesh, then that is where you're going to live. Okay? But if your eyes have been opened and you are aware of life in the Spirit, you are aware of the reality that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, then your life should reflect that as well. Right? Now, here's where it gets complicated. Because sometimes the in Christ people act like the in the flesh people. And you can begin to question your salvation. And you begin to wonder if the Spirit is really in you. Um, So just quickly, um, if that is you this morning, if you're in here and you are wrestling with, am I really saved? Is this... Am I a real deal? Like, let me, let me encourage you um, that only legitimate believers worry about being legitimate believers. Here's, here's what I mean. Um, if your heart is broken and, and you are 
shaken because you sinned again and you have fallen into the same pattern again and, and, and you hate yourself because that, I don't want to act that way anymore, but there is this remorse in you, this, this conviction in you. Good news, right? You're a Christian. You're a Christian, okay? Um, you know who don't worry about the legitimacy of their salvation? It's dead people, okay? Uh, I, this analogy may or may not work, but... Um, if, if you get put in the back of an ambulance and you are in unspeakable pain, that's kind of a good sign that you're alive, okay? Like the, the, the spirit is in you if you are wrestling with these things. Now, that being said, do, do, do we need to discuss maturity and growth? Absolutely. Do we, do we need to be very precise with our definitions of justification and sanctification? We, we absolutely do, but if, if you're wrestling with that this morning, let me, I want you to be able to rest easy because of, because of two things, two things. Number one, um, at the end of the day, your salvation is not based on what you do or don't do. Your salvation is based on what Jesus has already done. The quality of your faith is, what, is, is not what saves you. It's the object of your faith. Jesus saves you. And number two, Jesus did not go to extraordinary lengths to save you just to turn around and forget about you. That's not how this works. Philippians 1.6 says, He that began a good work in you will complete it. I want you to be able to rest in that. He will complete it. He has not forgotten about you. Okay, so that leaves us with this question. How do we set our minds on the things of the Spirit so that we will experience life and peace? Right? How, do we, how do we have a spiritual mindset that is compelling enough to actually affect our behavior and our affections? Right? How, do we, how do we get that? So kind of as we begin to close, let me offer you one reminder, one illustration, and one resource. First of all, you, you need to remember how different Christianity is from everything else in the world. Everything else is a process. Everything else is a transaction. Okay? That's, that's how life works. I believe it was the urban theologian uh, Drake who once said, started from the bottom, now we're here. Right? <laughs> that's, that's how life works. Right? You... you uh, you work your way up the ladder towards salvation or enlightenment or prosperity or tenure or whatever your thing is. You start down here and you try to work your way up. And let me just assure you this morning that Christianity is not like that. Everything else is like that. The gospel is not, okay? You don't gradually become saved. Jesus saves you. In Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus did not just walk into the synagogue, unroll the scroll, and say, I have come to present the captives with a multi-tiered, phased-out plan that will ultimately lead to freedom. That's, that's not what happened, okay? Jesus rolls into the synagogue, opens the scroll, and says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and I have come to set the captives free. Mic drop. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Not, not eventually, not someday, now. There is no condemnation right now for you. So setting your mind on the things of the Spirit does not mean committing yourself to a process of merit-based advancements. Okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit means acting like what you already are. Okay? I want to I say that again. Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit means acting like what you already are. Um, consider this. Uh, let's, let's say um, that you are a recent OU graduate. All right? And you got your diploma framed, and it is on your wall, and you're so proud of yourself. You got your little tassel hanging from the rearview mirror. You are living large, right? You have graduated boomer sooner. And you move out of your dumpy little college apartment, and you move into the bright new world of the American workforce, right? And immediately, you get punched in the face, right? And you completely shrivel up. Right? You, you just collapse under the weight and responsibility of full-blown adulthood. Okay? You are intimidated by your bosses. You are threatened by your coworkers. You are overwhelmed. And you are generally just out of your league. And you start to wonder if you are cut out for this whole adult thing. Like maybe beer pong is your only marketable skill. And you are now suspicious of that, where that'll be enough to provide you gainful employment in this new economy. <laughs> so one day, you are quietly sobbing in the corner, and your dad calls. He says, what, what, what's wrong? And he says, listen, I'm just out of my league. I'm, I, I, I don't belong here. I don't have any value here. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. And your dad says, all right, stop what you're doing right now and go read your diploma. What does it say? And so you kind of sniffle and you walk over to the wall and you, you read the diploma and it says, the University of Oklahoma confers this degree to me with all of the rights, privileges, and honors appertaining thereto. And your dad says, act like what you already are. That's kind of what setting your mind on the things of the Spirit looks like. Listen, at the end of the day, our flesh has amnesia. And we forget our gospel identity every single day. And we allow everything else to condemn us. And we forget that there's now no condemnation for us in Christ. All right, constantly setting your mind on the things of the Spirit means reminding yourself of that fact over and over and over and over again until it becomes your default setting, okay? And when it becomes your default setting, when you are defined by the gospel and not your circumstances, and you're defined by the gospel and not other people's opinion of you, and you're defined by the gospel and not your bank account, man, you're free. You're free. And now now you're, you're a thermostat, not a thermometer, Right, you're, you're steady, you're settled, you're, you're anchored. 
And you have this gospel confidence like Jesus did. And now you can leverage that to help people. You don't have to use them. Right? You, don't, you can just help them. You don't need their approval. You already have God's approval. Right? You're free to be a servant. You don't have to manipulate the system anymore. Uh, several years ago, I was, um, <clears throat> I was in a place where I was getting basically just punched in the face every day. And um, so I, I sat down one day and I wrote kind of a document to kind of help me remember my true identity. All right, and so I folded it up and I put it in my Bible and I, I've read it every day for the last however many years um, to help remind me of who I really am. And what it is, it's, a, it's an outline of Ephesians, basically. And Paul wrote the book of Ephesians and he kind of wrote it like this. There's kind of four... Uh, kind of um, categories that work in sequential order. So when Paul sat down to write Ephesians, he kind of wrote it this way. He says, this is who you were, but then the gospel, now this is who you are. Act like it. That, that, that's Paul's gospel logic, so to speak. Right? Um, and that's been really helpful for me because I, forget every single day. I forget. Um, so, y'all, we are, uh, we're getting close to, uh, to leaving. Uh, we are, uh, <clears throat> we're a few weeks away from, from moving to Alabama to go, to go plant this church. And um, <clears throat> um, I've been putting together some resources for our missional community leaders in, in Auburn. And so I've been pre- preparing a lot of these resources and stuff that we've had around here and kind of um, um, streamlining it for, for Union Church in, uh, in Auburn. And um, so this little document that I had in my Bible that was for kind of my, my eyes only, I uh, adapted it to, to be able to use for this church down there. And so that's what's in your, your seat. Um, um, it's kind of a modified version of this little document that I wrote for myself. So I, I hope that's a practical resource for you. Um, I hope that it will be helpful. It's also uh, incredibly uh, selfish because um, it's still got the, uh, the Union Church logo on there. And so uh, I hope that that is helpful for you. Uh, also, I hope that if you use it and if you put it in your Bible and if you look at it, uh, that you would pray for uh, Team Brister uh, in Auburn. We, uh, we had a baby, uh, mostly my wife, um, uh, uh, 14 days ago today. Um, and we, we sold our house uh, Friday evening, which is incredible. That's a huge, uh, we had two main things to do before we left. One was a baby. Uh, second was not own a house here anymore. We've checked those two things off the box, so that's a huge blessing. But uh, now, however, we find ourselves, um, what's the word? Uh, homeless. Homeless. And which is problematic when with the two-week-old. So... Uh, we have got some things to do. So all that is to say, uh, we would covet your prayers. So uh, as we get ready to transition out of here and go plant a church in, you know. So if you see that, uh, pray, for, pray for us. Um, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to close this morning with another document that was written um, many years ago by the Puritans, who are better writers than I am. Uh, but this was written... Um, um, to remind uh, 
to remind us of who uh, we really are. Okay, so I would, I'd like to read this over you this morning. Um, this is from a book called uh, The Valley of Vision. At Calvary, there grace removes my burdens and heaps them on your son. He was made a transgressor, a curse, a sin for me. There the sword of your justice smote that man, your fellow. There your infinite attributes were magnified and infinite atonement was made. There infinite punishment was due and infinite punishment was endured. Christ was all anguish that I might be all joy. He was cast off that I might be brought in. He was trodden down as an enemy that I might be welcomed as a friend. He surrendered to hell's worst that I might attain heaven's best. He was stripped that I might be clothed. He was wounded that I might be healed. He was made thirsty so that I might drink. He was tormented that I might be comforted. He was made a shame that I might inherit eternal glory. He entered darkness that I might have eternal light. My Savior wept all tears that they might be wiped from my eyes. He groaned so that I might have endless song. He endured all pain that I might have unfading health. He bore a thorny crown that we might have a glory died him. He bowed his head that we might uplift ours. He experienced reproach that we might receive welcome. He closed his eyes in death that I might gaze on unclouded brightness. He expired so that we might forever live. If you are in Christ this morning, that is true of you. That was done for you on the cross. Let's act like it. We have resources available to us that the unbelieving world simply does not have access to. Let's act like it. And let's not let these old slave masters intimidate us anymore because we're no longer slaves. We're children of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for uh, this church. And God, we pray that as we enter into um, not only a time of communion, but a week of more than usual uh, focus on the cross and what was uh, what took place there. Um, where you were cast off so that we could be brought in. God, we love you. And uh, we're thankful for, for what you've done for us on the cross. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so 2,000 years ago, um, the night before Jesus was to be executed, he was with his disciples. And he uh, took a loaf of bread like this and he tore it and showed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he, in the same way, he, he took a cup 
and he held out in front of him and he said, and this is my blood shed for you. So for 2,000 some odd years, uh, groups of believers like this have come and participated in communion as a weekly reminder uh, that we are to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay. Um, this is, um, if, 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 if you're not in the Spirit, if the Spirit is not in you, this is just a really extravagant, kind of weird snack. But if you're in the Spirit and you understand the sacrifice that was done on your behalf, this is the most meaningful, holy thing that we could do together as a body. So in the next few moments, um, won't you just kind of bow your head and consider where the flesh has you this week, where the Spirit has you, where have you surrendered to these old slave masters that come back and kind of say, like, I am in charge and I am condemning you on A, B, and C, and, and take some time to say, like, no, I don't operate like that anymore. I'm a child of God. There is no condemnation for me anymore. Okay? So you certainly don't have to be a member of this church to participate in communion. You just have to believe that this is what that represents. Okay? Uh, if you're not a believer, you absolutely can be. And so come find me or Jeremy or somebody and, uh, and let's process that. Let's talk about it. Um, but So just uh, stay where you are. Take a moment and just consider these things. And when you're ready... Uh, come and receive communion. We have uh, two, just two stations in the front this morning. So when you're ready, come and take communion.